0: Welcome to Shelby Christian Church. A few announcements before we get things going. Number 1, outside in our commons ground. Oh, that got a little louder. In our common ground area, we have Christmas shoe boxes. We have the angel tree. It seems like every week in our Monday morning meeting, we're adding a new element of how you can contribute and help share the love of Jesus Christ this season. Also, two in the back. Uh, by our basically our like our photo booth, if you will. We have a table for sign-ups for uh, the bell ringing at Walmart, Kroger, I think also Rural King. So you can't go anywhere this time of season without hearing that bell. And the final announcement, this one's a little bit more personal to me because Friday of this week, I was honored and privileged to have the opportunity to baptize one of our students. And the cool thing about this is, I say he's one of our students. I met him on Wednesday, first time ever, him being part of our or student ministry. He's actually a cousin of someone who attends church here on a regular basis, making a transition from North Carolina to the state of Kentucky, and sought me out. I was sitting on the the steps of the stew, and he said, hey, man, I got a question. Uh, I want to get baptized. Can I do that? I'm like, absolutely. And then it came 20 questions of, but I'm not a member here. Uh, I don't even live here. And I loved being able to give him the response, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. I love the privilege and the opportunity that Shelby Christian gives That You don't have to be a member. You don't have to tithe. You don't have to be a person who lives in Shelby County. If you are ready to be baptized, if you're ready to take on that commitment, that responsibility, and that privilege, that water is always going to be ready. And we are always going to be willing uh, and equipped to baptize anybody and everybody. So this morning, let's celebrate that as we worship our King.
1: stand and sing with us. His love overcomes He has done great things He has done great things Oh hero of heaven You conquered the grave You free every captive And break every chain Oh God You have done great things We dance in your freedom Awake and alive Oh Jesus, our Savior Your name lifted high, oh God You have done great things you have be faithful through every storm You'll be faithful forevermore You have done great things And I know you will do it again For your promise is yes and amen You will do great things Oh God, you do great things Oh, hero of heaven You conquered the grave shame, oh God, you have the great things, you've Cheers. Oh Oh, praise the name that makes a way There's nothing that our God can't do I hope you believe that this morning Through all our trials and tribulations All the pandemics that Satan can throw at us There's nothing that our God can't do He's given us that promise. He's given us his son. He's given us eternal life because of his son. There's nothing our God can't do. Just believe that. You may be saved.
0: It's been a pretty intense week, I could say at least, um, and I'm not going to get into politics. But what I do want to point out is, man, the passion and the energy and the investment people have had this entire week to prove a point, to prove others wrong, to stand their ground, to make a, a, a point. And right or wrong correct or incorrect. The thing that fascinates me is what if we took that energy? What if we took that stand? What if we took that belief almost to the grave, the fact, of man, this is where I'm standing. This is who I am. This is what I believe. And we took it as something that was really, really everlasting. Something that's going to save other individuals. I'm not downplaying politics and our freedoms and our rights and our responsibilities as Americans, but we took it a step further. And this isn't a guilt chip. This is more of a challenge. When's the last time you were this passionate about communion, about Jesus standing in front of 12 and saying, this is my body and it's broken, not just for now, Not just for you, but for every single person for the rest of eternity. When did you make a post about that? When did we step in line and we see somebody and said, hey, I would love to have a conversation. We might not see eye to eye, but you're going to have my respect and you're going to know where I stand. And I want to know where you stand. Not on politics. Not on certain bills that we're voting on. But on an everlasting life. Do you know Jesus as well as you know these other people running for certain offices? If we were as passionate, as committed, as driven, as focused to make that the point we're trying to prove to our neighbors, to our family members, to our friends and those on the other side of the aisle. I have a feeling life in America, us, would look a little different. So let's not take this moment and throw it to the wayside. Let's just not say, well, this is just another Sunday. We get to be with our Heavenly Father in the presence of our Heavenly Father. We get to break bread. and We get to drink juice and be remembered I think this is the coolest point on this particular Sunday because we're starting to walk into the Passover in our Scripture as we're going through Luke this entire year. And this is something we do every single Sunday, but we've got to. Because we've got to be reminded of the value and the importance of what was done for us. And that we can stand on for everlasting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love the fact our views our opinions what we stand on what we believe doesn't hold us back from you. Your body was broken for each and every one of us. Your life was given for each and every one of us and you rose from the grave for each and every one of us. That is worth arguing. That it's worth being passionate about. That is what we stand on. May we believe, may we trust, may we follow each and every day to you and who you are. In your name we pray. Amen.
2: Has he ever let you down? no you know sometimes we come and we sing these songs and it, it, it's like that, that is truth right that is that is the truth he's good in a world that is not good that it's hard to find some good he's good and he's never let us down has he has he ever let you down no Hey, if you guys are uh, joining us online, thanks for being there. I know there are people all over the place all over Shelby county, all over Kentucky all over the world that are joining us this morning. We want to welcome you uh, into the room as well and uh, thanks thanks for worshiping you guys thanks for for being here this morning. I want to ask you a, a question It's a little personal um, you can answer it uh um, affirmatively or not you want to raise your hand or say yes or but but i I am going to assume that Everyone in this room will relate to this question. Have you, have you ever you ever been betrayed by someone? Have you ever been stabbed in the back by a good friend? Have you ever felt rejection by someone or a group of someone's? You ever felt like, man, they did let me down. All right? Th- that that group or that person, man, that hurt. Betrayal. Rejection. The, the passage of scripture that we're gonna look at today in Luke chapter 22. It's an incredible passage. So go ahead and grab your Bibles, grab your tablet, grab your phone, whatever, however you get there. It's gonna be on the screen as well this morning. We're gonna look at Luke chapter 2. And this, this chapter, if you, if you were gonna make a movie, this would be a good place to start. Because it's got all the intrigue, it's got all the betrayal, it's got all the rejection, it's got a murder plot. Right? It's got everything that you would ever want in a thriller. And we're going to walk through it this morning. I love uh, 2020 for this reason. I love that we've been walking through. The gospel of Luke. When we sat down last year and talked about doing this and thought, you know, is this something we can kind of, you know, you know, take the whole year of 2020? We talked about this vision, 2020 vision and like last, you know, end of, end of 2019, we're thinking, man, 2020 is going to be this awesome year. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to walk through the book of Luke and we're just going to like delve, dive into that. It's going to be so good and God's going to do so many great things. And he has, but we never knew obviously what 2020 would bring, but we've been walking through this, this whole Year. We're in chapter 22 today, and the last week of Jesus' life on earth is what's playing out in front of us in these chapters. A few weeks ago, we preached about that Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. And then we walked through Monday, where Jesus goes into the temple, and He clears out the temple because people are doing things uh, that, that are against God and make Jesus angry. And so he gets angry and he cleans the temple out of everything that's going on there. And then we see Tuesday that uh, Dave preached about last week. This this day where Jesus answers these questions about his second coming. And then Wednesday is this odd day because it's a day of silence. Not uh, There's nothing in scripture recorded on that Wednesday of that last week of Jesus' life. Uh, the um, Theologians call it a day of silence. And then now we're to Thursday. And a lot, a lot happens on Thursday. So we're going to dig into that this morning. I want you guys to look at the first verse. Verse 1 of Luke chapter 22. Here's what it says. The festival of unleavened bread, which is also called Passover, was approaching. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were plotting how to kill Jesus. But they were afraid... Of the people's reaction. See, the, the religious leaders right here, they're, they're furious with Jesus. There's this, this climactic moment that's about to happen, and they're, they're seeing all of his popularity. They're seeing how people are, are, are just drawn to him and are following him in these large crowds of people. Wherever Jesus would go, there would be a group of people. And Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're at this point in the story, they're kind of becoming rock stars. People are, are wanting to be around them and everything that they say and do. And so there's this attention That's taking place. And the religious leaders, they are furious with this because normally they have that power and normally they have that attention. And now that's all dwindling in their eyes. And so how can we get rid of this man? How do we get rid of this issue? He's garnering all the attention and all the love and all the accolades. We got to get rid of him. This is not how this is supposed to work out. And then in verse three, we see where Judas, Jesus' friend arrives on the scene. Judas was a close friend of Jesus. Judas was also the treasurer of the group. Judas was someone who took care of, of the money situation. So whenever Jesus and the disciples needed to pay for food or needed to pay for lodging, whatever, when people would give them money and would give them things, Judas was the one that took care of all those things. He was one of Jesus' disciples. But look at what happens in verse 3. It says, Then Satan entered Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples. And he went to the leading priests and the captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. And they were delighted and they promised to give him money. And so he agreed and he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. So that they could come and arrest him when the crowds weren't around <clears throat> Jesus excuse me, <clears throat> Judas had a problem, and the religious leaders had a problem every time they wanted to kind of act on their impulse to to get rid of him to to arrest him to bring him in they couldn't get to him there there was a, a large group of people, and so they needed someone on the inside to help them. they needed an inside job and, and so Judas. Apparently, is their man. I love the just intrigue and the, the the understanding we get there when the Bible says, when Luke says that Satan entered Judas Iscariot. Because right here from the very beginning of this story, you can see Satan working. Maybe you're someone who doesn't really understand or know, or know if you believe whether or not Satan works in these ways. But right here in Scripture, we see it playing out. Where the Bible tells us that that, that Satan... Is going to use Judas for his purposes. And so these religious leaders, along with Judas, develop a plan. Now, we know that, that Judas asked for, for some money. We don't know in Luke, though, what, what that really entailed. But in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 15, it says this. Or verse 15, 14, 15. This is this. When Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest, they asked him, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus? How much is it worth to you, Judas? How much is it going to cost to betray Jesus? And so they decided on 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces. Pieces of silver. That's it. You want to know how much 30 pieces of silver would be today? A little less. A little less than $200. A little less than $200. So say, how much is it going to cost, Judas, to betray your friend? 30 pieces of silver. That should do it. Judas, right? Who... Was close to Jesus. A a good friend. Was eyeball to eyeball with Jesus for three years. Rode on boats with Jesus. Right? Had meals with Jesus every night for over three years. Hung out with Jesus every day. Was as close as someone could almost possibly be with Jesus. Saw him walk on water. Saw him heal people from lepers and make people that couldn't walk, walk. Raise people from the dead. Do all these incredible things. And when it came down to the end, and Judas was asked, How much is your relationship with Jesus worth? 30 pieces of silver should do it, Judas said. You see, Judas was frustrated with Jesus. He was frustrated with this relationship because what Judas wanted was he wanted a Messiah, he wanted a king, he wanted a revolutionary leader who was going to come in and take charge. And he was going to take the sword, and he was going to take the city, and he was going to take control, and Judas wanted to be a part of that kind of a movement. That's what Judas was about. He was looking at this whole situation going, "We're, we're getting ready to take over, right? And then Jesus throws him a curveball because Jesus starts talking about laying his life down and laying the sword down and dying on a cross in a kingdom that's not of this world, that's not an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly one, an eternal one. And Judas looked at the situation and he thought, I don't want to be a part of that. I want, I want, this is not what I really signed up for. Like I thought we were going to do something like here and now. I don't like this plan, Jesus. Judas was looking for what he could get out of the relationship with Jesus. What, what is in this for me? What can I get out of this? And so he betrayed him for less than 200 bucks. How could he do that? I've, I've thought about this for, for a few weeks now, just really thinking about this character, Judas. How could that guy do that? How, how could he betray one of his closest friends, the guy that they'd all bought into as being the Messiah, the Son of God? How could he do that? Well, we know, a big part of the reason is because now Satan is using him as his tool, right? And and it's easy to kind of look at Satan in this story and go, well, there's the bad guy. That's the bad guy. But you know what else I thought started thinking about this week? How many times in my life has it been really tempting to trade my relationship with Jesus in for something shiny, right? For something that looks good. For something that, that this world will tell us is really important and really valuable. And that's what you should focus on, right? How, how many times have I been tempted to do that? I, I bet you've been tempted to do that as well. I bet there have been times in your life where it's been like, Jesus, <laughs> I don't know. This isn't really working out the way I thought it was going to work out. This is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Like, can, can, we go, can we go do something else? Can we, come up with a, can we come up with a different plan? Can we go a, a different way? A few pieces of silver for a relationship with the Messiah. Look at the next few verses. The next few verses describe how Jesus then sends some of the disciples into Jerusalem on that Thursday afternoon to prepare the setting for this last meal that they were going to have together. At sundown in Jerusalem on this Thursday night, Jesus and his disciples are going to gather in this upper room at the home of a a friend, and they're going to share in this last meal together. And it's during this meal that Jesus introduces the concept of communion that we just shared. This idea that, that his, his body and his blood was going to be broken. His blood was going to be shed. His, his body was going to be broken for us. And Jesus says this. He says, when, when you do this again, in the future, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. When we talk about that during a, a communion time. This is the, the passage of scripture where that comes from. And then I want you to notice what Jesus says in this next verse, in verse 20. This is, this is really profound. And it's and it's really powerful, and it's something that I don't think we, we can miss this morning. Here's what he says. It says, after supper, after they'd had this meal together, Jesus took another cup of wine and he said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. It's in this moment that Jesus is describing how he is this atoning sacrifice that we've been talking about in this series. Like He is the one now that there's this new understanding, there's this new agreement, there's this new relationship that's being formed. The the old covenant, the old testament, the old law up to this point served the Jewish people well. When they, when they needed to come to God uh, and, and, for, and ask for forgiveness for something, they would sacrifice an animal. And the shed blood of that animal would cover their sins. And God would forgive them. And now Jesus comes in and he says, all right, new deal. New covenant. New agreement. A new way forward from this time. Once I go to the cross, my sacrifice will be sufficient for all mankind for all eternity, a new deal. And this is where Jesus becomes that atoning sacrifice. This is the passage that you see that all played out in this moment. And then look at the next verse. This is kind of interesting how this continues to play out. As Jesus and the disciples are sitting at this table, sharing in this meal, and Jesus is 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 sharing with them and teaching them, and, and he knows that it's going to be the last time that they're going to be together like this. Here at this table, he says in verse 21, but here at this table, sitting among us as a, fri- as a friend, is the man who will betray me. Now, if this was a movie, right? If, if this was the movie, this would be like that climactic. You know how in a movie, like, the, the, the music builds and the scene changes and everything changes. And you're like, oh, something really important is about to happen. Like, this seems really, like, this is vital to this movie. This is where that is. Like, And, and Jesus says this, at this table is the man who will betray me. It's in this moment that Judas must have thought that he'd been caught, right? Judas must have thought, okay, it's over, game over, like life over, Jesus is going to sell me out. He's going to tell everyone else that I've got this plan in the works to betray him. He, he probably thought that, all right, I'm not going to get out of this room alive. Because if Jesus tells the other disciples what I am about to do, then they're probably going to want to end me as well, right here in this room. But that's not that's not what Jesus does. That's not how this is all going to go down. We know from John's account of this evening that Jesus leans over to Judas. He whispers to him and he says this. He says, what you are about to do, Judas, do it quickly. Judas, Jesus obviously knows what Judas is, is about. And he says, Judas, you have the permission to go do this. You're, you're excused from the table. Whatever you need to go do, Judas, you go do. And in that moment, he doesn't resist. He doesn't sell him out. He doesn't say anything about it. He just gives Judas the permission. Judas, you've made a decision. You have free will. You have freedom to do whatever you want to do. Judas, if you think this is what you need to do, you go and you do it, and you do it quickly. It's a fascinating part of this story. Look at verse 22. It says this. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die, Jesus said. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays Him? The disciples began to ask each other which one of them could ever do such a thing. The the disciples could not believe that someone there in their midst... They don't know it's Judas at this point. But they couldn't believe that there would be someone sitting at that table in their midst that would betray Jesus. How could anyone walk away from what Jesus is offering? Who who in their right mind would walk away from the Messiah? These 12 guys had a front seat. They got to be in this personal relationship, eyeball to eyeball, shoulder to shoulder, next to Jesus for over three years. And like we said, they've seen everything he said and done, and they know who he is. And they're thinking, how could how could we how could someone in our group betray him? How could someone do that? And then I think the next verse is, is kind of humorous. In verse twenty four, it says this. Then they begin to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Now, what's just happened here? Jesus has told them, um, "I'm I'm going to die, and one of you is going to betray me." and you're going to be the the reason for this whole thing going down the way it's going to go down in the next 24 hours. And it's like they, they hear that and they go, "Oh yeah, that stinks." And that stinks stinks to be you, Jesus. But like when you're gone, like, who gets to be in charge? That's basically what they're saying here. Like, "All right, so you're going to go away. Like, which one of us gets to be in charge? Who gets to be in control?" And then look at what he says next. In that moment, Jesus reminds them that the greatest in his kingdom are those who serve? In verse twenty-six, he says this. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. One of the other things that Jesus does um, during this meal is he—it's not recorded here—but he he gets down and he washes the disciples' feet. And, and they're kind of they push back on that because like you're the leader, you're the Messiah, you're our Rabbi. Like you don't wash, leaders don't wash others' feet. And what Jesus wanted to convey to them and wanted to show them and wanted them to see is that it's going to be different for for my followers. It's not going to be like this world portrays leadership. And so then as the disciples, in verse 31, as the disciples are discussing the things that Jesus had told them, Jesus has a conversation with his close friend Simon Peter. Now now Judas was a friend, but but Simon Peter, he, he was like his best friend. One one of Jesus' best friends. And so where Jesus knows that Judas is about to betray him, he also knows that Peter's about to reject him. Peter doesn't know what's about to happen in the next few hours, but Jesus does. Look at what he says in verse 31. Simon, Simon. Satan, again, Satan working here. Jesus pointing out that in the middle of all this chaos and turmoil and confusion and everything that's going on in our world, Jesus is pointing out to them, Satan's been at work. Satan has been at work. And look at what he says. Satan has asked. This understanding that that Jesus and Satan are having this conversation from time to time. And Satan's asked to sift each of you like wheat to test you. But, but I've pleaded in prayer for you, Jesus says. Jesus says, Peter, I've been praying for you because I know what's about to happen. Simon, he says, I've been praying that your faith should not fail so that when you have repented and turned to me again, you will strengthen your brothers. Satan was on the attack. And he wasn't only attacking Judas, but also Peter and the other disciples. He was tempting them and testing them. Jesus' friends. And I love this, this quote. I saw it this week and I thought it fit perfect with today. It was from Timothy Keller. And he said this. He said, Satan doesn't control us with fang marks on the flesh, but with lies in our heart. Satan Satan is, is this being that's working in our world. And a lot of times it's not obvious. But where he attacks us most is in our hearts. It may not be obvious outwardly, but it's in here. And, and, and Jesus is conveying to Peter in this conversation where I, I kind of can, can, can picture this in this room. And, and, and Jesus, like the disciples are sure talking about, all right, well, can you believe what Jesus just said? Who's going to betray him? And, and like, which one of us gets to be in control? And Jesus says, Peter, come here, come here, come here. Pulls him over to the side. And he says, hey, all right, some of this stuff's going to go down. You're not going to really understand it. But once you once you come back around and once you realize what's happening, you need to be there for your brothers. Because this is going to get pretty intense. This is going to get pretty crazy. And so you need to be there. And in this silent, kind of like this personal, private moment, Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, they're all talking about who's going to be the leader. You're going to be the leader. You are the leader. And so when they need you, you be ready to lead. Because it's going to get bad. And then Jesus gives Peter the bad news. Look at verse 33. He says this. He said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. Peter's like, Jesus, I, I'm your ride or die, right? I'm, I'm here with you. I'm not going anywhere. Like we're, we're best friends. Like I'm not like, I, I know you're talking about somebody's betraying you. It, it ain't, it ain't going to be me. And Jesus says this to Peter He says, look, Peter, let me tell you something before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, before it, 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 the sun comes up tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. You will deny that you even knew me. And we know when we study Peter that he, he's just indignant with this whole thing. Because he, in his mind and in his heart, he's like, there's no way I'm going to do that. I'm willing to, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. And Jesus is like, dude, you're going to sell me out like in the next 24 hours. And Peter's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And so we look at this story, and we realize that Jesus understands betrayal. He understands rejection. He understands that when we come to him with our hurt, broken hearts, because we've been betrayed or we've been rejected, he gets it. He understands that. He also understands when we come to Him and when we need forgiveness. But because because we've betrayed Him. We've rejected Him. We've maybe even denied knowing Him when things got tough. In the last four verses of our text today, Jesus prepares the disciples for the environment that they're going to be sent out into. No longer will things be be popular for them, people, they will be popular with people. No longer are they going to be looked at as, as someone who needs to be listened to or admired. They're going to be looked at as a rebellious game. And so Jesus is preparing them for this immediate future. He's saying it's going to get tough out there and, and things are going to be drastically different. And so this meal on Thursday night was one for the ages. They'd had Passover meals before because it was something that Jewish people did every year. But this is one that they would never forget. They would never forget what happened in that upper room on that evening in Jerusalem. I want us to to circle back around this morning and, and look at Judas again for a second. Because right after Jesus excuses him from that room to sell him out, Jesus says the strangest thing. It's recorded in John chapter 13. Verse 31. He says this. As soon as Judas has left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. And God will be glorified because of him. In other words, what Jesus is saying there in in John's gospel is that things are working out. Just as we planned them. Things are fine. This is going to get hard for you guys. You're gonna, you're gonna experience some hard things in the next few hours and days. You're gonna, you're not gonna get, you're not gonna get it. You're not gonna understand it all. But understand that there's a plan. And, and that it's working out. That God will be glorified in the middle of all of this. And this reminds us that God's hand can't be forced. That God's will can't be thwarted. Judas wasn't in control of anything. But his own actions he he was being used he allowed himself right what what was it that was his weak spot what was his temptation well being the treasurer being in charge of the money right he had an inkling for those kind of things and so satan knew if i just throw a few shiny objects his way He'll bite. And it'll be over. Satan knew his weak spot. Satan knew where he could tempt him the the most. He knew where he could get him. And guess what? We all have weak spots. We all have things that really tempt us. We all have things that really knock us off off track with Jesus. We all have things that really, uh, just really would encourage us to walk away or betray him or reject him. Whatever word you want to use. And Satan knows those things. And so when we say, God, I would never, never betray you. I would never walk away from you. Satan knows exactly how to get us to do that if we're not on guard. So we obviously don't know everything going through Judas' mind in this moment. But here's what, what we can probably... Kind of read between the lines and know what he was thinking. He probably thought G- Judas probably thought, "All right, Jesus is going to get arrested. He's he's going to get uh, maybe they'll put him in jail for a while. Maybe they'll send him uh, you know to a, an island in exile. He, he's going to go away, and I can ride off into the sunset with my thirty pieces of silver. And this is all going to be over, and we'll go on." with our lives. That's probably what he thought. But when Judas found out that the Jewish leaders went to the Roman officials to ask for Jesus to be handed over to them, he realizes that this whole thing has gotten way out of hand. Because, here's the deal, Jewish officials, Jewish leaders, they didn't have to go to the Romans who were uh, had occupied their land? They didn't have to go to them and ask for permission for anything to do anything concerning Jewish people. They could they could they could uh, execute any kind of laws. They could do anything with them. The only thing that the Jewish people could not perform was the execution of a human. They had to go to Roman the Roman officials to ask for permission to do that. And so when Judas hears that the Jewish leaders are now going and talking to the Roman officials, he knows that there's only one reason that they could do, they would do that. There's only one reason that they would do that. And listen to this next passage. This is Matthew chapter 27 verse 3. It says this, another kind of insight into this story. When Judas who had betrayed him realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he, he, he realized, oh, what have I done? Like, I, I didn't mean for it to go this far. He was filled with remorse, the Bible says. So he took the 30 pieces of silver. Took them back to the leading priests and to the elders. And gave them back to him. Here, here's what's fascinating. What was of extraordinary value. In one minute. Had no value in the next. Right? What, what Judas thought, man, if I could just get my hands on that silver. Became an embarrassment. In the next. He, he looked at what was playing out in front of him with this Jesus. And Judas walked away from Jesus. He rejected him. He betrayed him. And he would regret that decision for the rest of eternity. Look at how this sad story ends. Judas says, I've sinned for I've betrayed an innocent man. What do we, what do we care? They retorted, the Jewish leaders report, retorted, that's your problem. That's your deal, Judas. We don't care. We don't care what you what you're feeling. We got what we needed out of you. Get out of here. Then Judas threw the silver coins down. And he went out. And he hanged himself. Maybe you can relate to Judas in this way. Our greatest regret. Comes when we attempt to hang on to the shiny things of this world. And we reject Jesus. Here's what I think is true. Too many people. Too many people reject Jesus to preserve something that they will lose in the end anyway. Whenever we decide to hold on to the things of this world, the things that we think will bring us fulfillment and joy, and we forsake Jesus and our relationship with Him for those things, we're the ones that lose. And we don't just lose in this world... But we lose for eternity. Here's the deal with, with, with God. God is, is, is not in the business of bartering with us, of making deals with us. God, God won't barge in and take control of your life. You, you get to make your own decisions. You get to decide how you're going to live your life. You get to decide who you're going to follow and what you're going to follow after. And what you're going to say is important. You get to make those decisions. God God will not come in and take over and just run roughshod over your life if you resist him, if you barter with him, if you try to make deals with him, if you try to fit him into your way of thinking. If you look at God's word and say, all right, I think this way. I don't know, like politically, I'm gonna, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna find how, how like we're in here, like how this fits in with what I already think about whatever issue or situation or thing that's going on. God, I know what I think, like where is it in here? When we approach God that way and try to make Him say things that we want Him to say and do things that we want Him to do and act in ways that we want Him to act, we're the ones that lose. Judas looked at Jesus and he said, I have an opportunity here to get mine, right? To get what I've got coming to me. And so Jesus, I don't like your plan. I got a better one. And so he sold them out. And then he got to the end of it and he realized, what have I done? What have I done with my life? And he threw the silver back, the feet of the people in the temple. And he went out and he killed himself. For what? Because he wanted his way. And so for us, I have one last question. I have one question. Have you surrendered at all? When when we say, Jesus, here's my life. God, you have your way with me. God, you take my life and you do with it as you will. Not my will be done anymore. I've tried things my way. They really haven't worked out. But God, what if we try your way? What if I say, here is all of it. Here's every part of my life. Here are my relationships. Here are my finances. Here here are my political views. Here's the way I'm going to live the rest of my life. Here's the way I'm going to spend my time and my energy. Here's my family. Here's my job. Here, it's all yours. God, you take it. I surrender all of it. Because I can't do this anymore. If I try to do it my way, it's going to end real bad. For me. And so, my question for you this morning is this Are you ready just to say, God, here, 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 here it all is? Like, this, that doesn't, that doesn't matter anymore. I, I don't care about the shiny things of this world. I just want you. Judas had it. Judas had it right there in front of him. And he rejected it. He had the opportunity. To live the rest of his life For Jesus He sold him out For for nothing Don't don't make that mistake You you know the, the biggest difference Between Judas and Peter Once Peter realized what he'd done He was heartbroken He was distraught Just like Judas was But his reaction was different. He he, he went before God and said, God, please forgive me. I I, I don't know how all this is working out. I don't get it all. But will you please forgive me? There's this beautiful scene when Jesus comes back after his his resurrection. And he's walking on the beach with Peter. And Peter's just broken (laughs) hearted. He's just broken hearted. Jesus, will you just please forgive me? And Jesus absolutely. Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. You are forgiven. Judas had the same opportunity. Jesus, Jesus would have forgiven Judas if he would have just hung on a little bit longer, if he would have just said, you know what? I, I, I messed up, but I know Jesus can forgive me. Jesus would have done the same thing for Judas. But he got distracted. He thought the things of this world really mattered more than his relationship with God. And in the end, he lost. And so for us, that's the question. Have you decided to give it all to him? Have you decided to walk away from the things that this world offers you? And say, God, you can have, you have your way with 100% of my life. Because here's what we kind of want to do. A lot of times we want to kind of play these games and we're like, God, I'll give you 80%. I'll give you 85%. Can I just keep this one little corner of my heart for me? Like there are these things that I really like to kind of be involved in and indulge in. And like I know that they go against you and they betray you and they reject you and they're sinful. But I kind of still enjoy them. Can I just hold on to that? And you can have like 85% of it. That's not how it works with Jesus. He said, i, I got to have it all. But here's what I'll give you in return. I'll give you a life that's so fulfilling, that's so joy-filled, that's so purpose-filled, that it will blow you away. But you got to throw the 30 pieces of silver down. and come follow me. This morning, if you need to do that, that's what the next couple minutes is for. Uh, we're going to pray. We're going to stand. We're going to sing this song. Maybe you're standing here today and you go, you know, I've, I've given my life to Jesus. I did it 30 years ago or 40 years ago. or I did it when I was 10 years old or when I was 15 years old at camp or at a revival or whatever. But as you stand here this morning, you know, there's still a little part you're holding back. There's still a little bit, and I'm like, I want to kind of keep on doing my thing for a little bit longer and see how this works out. Can I tell you something? It's not going to work out well. We know that it won't work out well for you if you keep playing those games with Jesus. So I implore you this morning, and when you walk out of these, through these doors, whether you come up here or pray with someone, Or not. You would just to being different this week. Saying, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna try your way. I'm gonna try your way. Let's see how this works out. Would you guys stand with me? I'm gonna pray. God, thanks for today. Thanks for the opportunity we've had to be in this room, to worship you, to share in communion together, to give back to you. What you've given us. God, may we be people who surrender it all. May we be people who live our lives with purpose and joy, dead center in the middle of your will for our lives. And may nothing else, nothing short of that, be sufficient. May nothing short of that And nothing short of walking with you every day and in every way fulfill us. God, my prayer this morning, if there's one person, one soul, one heart in this room that needs to make a decision for you and needs to step across that line and, and commit to you, they would make that decision. God, for the rest of us, may we leave this place and understand that the things of this world are nothing compared to what you offer us. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have a decision to make, we'd love to talk to you this morning. Let's sing this song.
1: Hallelujah, God, above.
2: If you are Someone who's checking out Shelby Christian for the very first time, maybe second time, we'd love to connect with you out at the New Wall. If you're looking to maybe see what your next step is, we have the Next Step Room over here to my right, right through that door. Uh, they can answer any questions about small groups, about how you can serve. We have Pathways coming up this Tuesday night. There's a sign-up sheet back there in the back. If you're interested in Pathways uh, for this month, it's coming up Tuesday night, six o'clock, right out in the Common Grounds area. Hey, thank you guys uh, for being here this week. Have an incredible week and we'll see you back here next weekend.